Good morning. It is a delight to see so many of you. Um, I hope you remember we also have an 11 o'clock service. I guess we'll see how many, uh, 10 of them show up at 11. Um, Just kidding. A lot of you I haven't seen for a while, and it's great to have you here back with us. Today is uh, is a little special in the fact that what I normally do is preach through a book, and I'm usually preaching through the book of Ephesians, as of right now anyway. But today I get to give you a testimonial, and I hope it's an encouragement to you as you try to discern God's leading in your own life. And the journey that I have gone through is what I'm going to share with you. Though what I'm going to share today could be shared by lots of different people. I was thinking about John and Leanne Summerlin as they've made decisions to move on to Utah to be a part of a church plant. They could get up here and testify of God's goodness. Paul and Deanna Miller continue to experience God's goodness in directing them in global ministry. Uh, It's great to see Jeff Davis here. Jeff knows what that's like with EMU and the leadership and so many open doors and then closed doors and trying to discern what God's doing. Um, different uh, pastors could get up and talk to you about the same thing. I think of Pastor Josh and his wife Michelle and how God brought them here. They have a, a, an amazing story to tell. Um, I also think of Alan and Michelle Benson, how God has directed their steps for Alan to go from pastor to vice president at Bob Jones University. And if I haven't mentioned you, don't take that personally. All I'm saying is that what I'm going to share with you is my story But I hope you understand it as a combined story that others could share. And it is not about look at Jason and Heather and what God's doing through their lives. It's look at God and see how great and big he is and marvelous he is. So to start out with, on the website, pbcpowdersville.org, you'll see a link to the notes. And what what I'm going to walk you through would be the seven steps that I have used in my own life to try to determine what is God's will. How do I know when to make a transition? How do I know when to make a big decision? And all of us are constantly in the process of making decisions in our lives. But given the fact that we are somewhat constrained by time, I'm going to go through most of the principles and just refer to them, but I'll slow down on two of them and then tell the story of God's journey in our hearts and lives. So again, those are resources for you to consider. The first step in understanding God's word and, and, excuse me, God's will, this is coming from, and you'll see this picture right next to it just in case you're trying to jot it down, from the Blackaby and Cloud King. They've written a workbook called Experiencing God. And if you've been a part of our journey as a church, we've gone through this study several times. And I've gone through it numerous times personally and shared it with my kids. Um, As my kids would kind of jokingly say, I haven't completed each study I've ever done with my kids Unfortunately, I have good intentions and sometimes start and stop, but I'm currently working through this material, the teen edition with, Ju- uh, with Judah, and it's been a blessing to work through. But these principles are based in scripture. They've been really helpful for me, so I'm sharing them, passing them on to you to encourage you to consider. The first thing to note is that God is at work all around you. It's a simple principle. He's working and moving, and it's not about you trying to make something happen but acknowledge what he is doing, okay? It's not about you, it's not about me trying to stir up the pot, but it's to open up our eyes to see there's God and he's at work. Verse that fits with this really well is John 15, five. 
I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's that first principle. So it's open up our eyes and asking God to help us see spiritually what he's doing and his work around us. The second one is that God pursues a relationship with you that is real and personal. And this is something maybe you've heard me say over and over again here at PBC. I'm encouraging you to get in the word and get to know God personally. And I found this to be super helpful as I'm acknowledging God's at work over here. I want to join him in his work. And I want to have this desire to grow in my relationship with God. John 17:3 is such an encouragement. It gives us all hope and purpose and direction. And this is life eternal, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. What a great hope and joy. It has nothing to do with the amount of money you make or the vocation you take. It has everything to do with your relationship with God. Are you growing in knowing him? This is what Paul talks about. His desire, his longing is to know Christ and to share in that privilege of understanding what it's like to even suffer with him. The third principle is God invites you to become involved with him in his work. So there's seven principles. We're on number three, and I'm going rather rapidly just to walk you through it. There will come times in your life when God will make it very clear, I want you to participate with me in this particular work. And it can come through a variety of ways. It can be uh, a movement in your heart as you see a need and you try to meet that need. But I want you to think of this verse, John 14, 21. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father. I too will love him and show myself to him. See, I want you to get this. God is real, and we're really worshiping a real God, a living God, and he desires to interact with you in the level where you have a personal relationship with him. All from the very beginning in Genesis 3.8, we know that God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. Then later, the forming of this tabernacle, and then the temple, and the fact that Christ came down to dwell in your hearts, as it says in Ephesians chapter 3, God desires a relationship with you. We don't serve a dead God. He is alive, and he is well, and we should be quick to testify of his goodness. It should not be something that we're passive about. When we're in our community groups, and we're sharing what's God up to, it shouldn't be just this, um, I don't know, who wants to share We should be jumping off the chair to say, well, I'll tell you what, this is what God did in my life, because he's doing a work. Then we get to number four, and I think this is one that I want to just show you in a little slower format, because this is rubber meets the road. Blackabees talk about the fact that God speaks by the Holy Spirit through the Bible, prayer, circumstances, and the church to reveal himself, his purposes, and his ways. Now that one, I'll give you verses for each of these, so don't grow shocked or think I've got to write that down really quickly. You'll have a chance as I demonstrate this. In other words, we want maybe an audible voice from God to say, go here, do this, take that job, don't take that job. Date that person, don't date that person. But he doesn't do that anymore. He used to, but that was only at random times in random occasions. We are so better off with the way he works today, as we find in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, He spoke in various ways in the past, but now he speaks through his son, Jesus Christ. So the verse that talks about the Holy Spirit, John 16, 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. The helper is the Holy Spirit. But if I go, I will send him to you. So he is our helper. And how does he minister to our hearts? He takes the word. Your word, Psalm 119, 105, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. 
So a, a constant encouragement is spend time reading the Bible, depending on God to direct your steps, and he will one step at a time, not a huge spotlight, but one step at a time directing your path. And then we see how he works in the different uh, ideas of prayer. Call to me, and I will answer you and tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. We should be people of prayer. God, is this a, a prompting out of a, just a need that I see, or is this something that you're actually doing in my heart that I need to respond to? He will work through that. He loves to communicate with you and to direct your steps. He uses his Holy Spirit. He speaks to you in these ways through the Bible, prayer. Notice circumstances, James 1, 2 through 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. God will use circumstances to get your attention. And when they happen, don't sit there and say, oh, that's just coincidence. No such thing. It's providence. God's at work all around us. Acknowledge what he is doing and say, Lord, okay, what do you want me to do with this circumstance that I'm seeing? And then the final one that we'll see is the church. And this is one that usually kind of grades at us because we don't want a dictator telling us what to do. Well, here the, the text doesn't say dictator. It talks about a leader and it's referring to someone who understands pastoral ministry, which is a shepherding ministry, a caring ministry. But there is a call to its members, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. I could give you other verses, such as Matthew 18, that talk about tell it to the church, the church is to have a say. So if you put this all together, we realize that God might be moving in my life. I need to start with, first of all, what's he saying to me in my regular Bible reading, in my time of prayer? What circumstances are going on in my life right now that should cause my attention to be this way? Then bounce that idea off with people in the church and the leaders in the church. This has been a, a wonderful guide for me as I've made decisions in my life. And I've watched God just faithfully lead me throughout the way. And I, I've learned also through the process to filter it through this idea, will the decision I'm going to make honor God, cause my love for God to increase? This is Valentine's Day, so let me give a love reference. And will it increase my love for those around me? If the decision in some way violates one of these two principles, we have a problem. God's invitation for you to work with him always leads you to a crisis of belief that requires faith and action. I asked us to read through Hebrews 11, notice verse 6, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. I think we, we think about God as a really neat concept, but if we really know he exists, it would cause us to have a view of him that says, I will do whatever you ask me to do because you're that big and you're that good and you have it all under control. Take your Bible, turn over to Hebrews 11 if you don't still have it there because I want to just highlight something here. Just if you look down at Hebrews 11, I'm going to reference just a couple things because it does require faith. If you look with me at verse 4, and I'm not going to read these verses, I'm just going to comment on them. So this works best if you actually have your Bible or phone out and you're looking at Hebrews 11, and I'll say verse 4, look at it, and then listen to what I'm going to say. Hebrews 11, verse 4. God's invitation for you to work with him always leads you to 
a crisis of belief that requires faith and action. Abel offered a righteous sacrifice to God in verse 4 of Hebrews 11. Verses 5 through 6, Enoch blessed God by earnestly seeking him. Verse 7, Noah built an ark to save his family. Verses 8 through 19 of chapter 11, Abraham made his home in a foreign country. Hebrews 11, 22, look at that verse. Joseph gave instructions to bury his bones in the promised land. And he knew it would be several centuries before anything would happen, but he believed and he said, save my bones and bring them with you as you could get into the promised land. In verses 24 through 28, Moses chose to be mistreated along with God's people, verses 25 through 26. He left Egypt, verse 27, and he even kept the Passover, which that is an amazing concept as they're journeying in the wilderness, keeping the Passover and remembering and reminding the people of God's deliverance and his goodness and pointing everyone to Jesus. The Israelites marched around the walls of Jericho in verses 29 through 30. And finally, in verse 31, in Hebrews 11, Rahab welcomed the Israelite spies. Now, you might think that I'm up here telling you every time you follow God and you go through this crisis of belief that requires faith and action, it's all going to turn out well for you. But the reality is, in Hebrews chapter 11, there's that balance issued to us. In verses 32 through 35, look at verse 32. There are good things that happen to those who take that step of faith. Some conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead, but guess what? There is also the potential of difficulty coming to those who take a crisis and take this crisis of faith that requires faith in action. You take that step, it doesn't mean it's all going to turn out really great for you. Notice verses 35 to 38. Some were tortured. Some refused to accept release, suffering mocking and flogging, chains and imprisonment, sawn in two, killed with the sword, placed in animal skins, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, wandering about in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. They did not receive what was promised while alive on the earth. And look at verse 38. Look at this phrase. Of whom the world was not worthy. That's the kind of life I want to live. That's the kind of life I want you to live. We need to understand that when God leads, sometimes he calls us to this idea of a crisis of belief that requires faith and action. Step number six is you must make a major adjustment in your life to join God in what he's doing. When you're, you're convinced, wow, he is doing something, and then you get right about to making that decision, that's where a lot of us get. We get right to the edge, like we're right about to jump off the cliff, into the water, we hope, right? And like, no, I don't think I can do that. Luke 14, so therefore any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be a blessed follower of Jesus. No, it doesn't say that. If you're not willing to denounce all that you have, you cannot be his disciple. You're either all in or you're not in. The casual Christianity thing does not work in God's economy. Either we really believe it or we don't believe it. It's a hard line. And so many times in Christianity, we have this soft line. Well, I, I really love Jesus, but you know, I gotta take care of my family. I really love Jesus, but the safety is an issue. I really love Jesus, but, and you have all these extra things that 
keep you from doing what God's called you to do. And I want to encourage you that there's a call to follow him. In the notes, I give you a contrast between Elisha and the rich young ruler. I won't take time to go through that, but it's really encouraging to walk through and consider. As we get to number seven, the last one, you come to know God by experiences as you obey him and he accomplishes his work through you. And this is what we all desire. Look at this verse. Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him and he will come to him and make our home with him. Now what I'm sharing with you in the seven steps to experiencing God, these realities, it does not require that you always make a job transition. It doesn't mean that you have to break up with that boyfriend or girlfriend. It doesn't have to mean these really big things. It can be little things in your life as you're taking steps. But I don't want to soften the deal because I know I'm talking to a group of people where many of you thought you'd be at a different place than you are right now, and maybe you're not there because you are lacking the courage to believe God is that big. And I want to challenge you. I'm not trying to soften that either. If God's calling you to do something, and you know it as I'm talking to you right now, the Holy Spirit is saying, yep, you know that, that place on the mission field? You know that job? You know that decision? But I just haven't had the courage. I'm calling you out on that, I hopefully in love. Because I'm one who's standing here that knows that it's been a struggle for me to practice these principles. It's not easy. And we're all imperfect in it. So here's the testimony side. Here's a snapshot of Minneapolis, Minnesota, and this is where we came from. After graduating from Northland Baptist Bible College in 1996, I married Heather, and we moved to Minneapolis, and in that time, we were a part of the start of Family Baptist Church. And Family Baptist Church started right after we got married. They were meeting and talking about names and location and all that kind of stuff. My dad is the founding pastor of Family Baptist Church. I know that that church is supposed to be there for several different reasons. Um, Not all churches are supposed to continue. You know that. There's life and death of churches. The church will never be overcome by the gates of hell. But there are certain individual churches that God has a timeline for them, just like us. We all have a timeline. He knows the days. I don't believe this is in Family Baptist God's plan for Family Baptist as of yet. And here's a couple reasons. One, the church was started, and these are God things. A gift from Fourth Baptist Church who planted Family Baptist Church gave them over $300,000. Happy starting. Wow. I would love to say that our church could do something like that. We don't even have that much in the bank right now. But to give that kind of money away and, and to do it as a means of saying, we hope the best for you. My dad and the men that were leading there at Family Baptist Church decided to take the money and purchase a series of homes in North Minneapolis and an apartment complex and employed those that were working through drug rehab in an apartment to renovate the homes and then sell them to members to encourage incarnational living. And I know that was a mouthful, I just said. Basically, they bought a bunch of homes, fixed them up, and sold them back to the members and started to have lights, little lighthouses all all throughout the inner city of North Minneapolis. We were one of those recipients, and we bought a house right next to the church. Later, when the church needed to move because the Minneapolis Public School had purchased the building from Forth and had allowed Forth to meet there for a period, a family Baptist to meet there for a period of time, there was a building across the street, an old uh, Lutheran building, very beautiful um, facility, and there was no way that Family Baptist could purchase it. They were selling it for $900,000. 
So we went to prayer. We asked for God to do something amazing. And I have mentioned this to you. God gave the ministry of Family Baptist Church a million dollars, no strings attached, to purchase that building. When I was asked, when I was there for, to candidate at Family Baptist Church, I was asked, do you ever plan on moving the church to a safer location? I said, absolutely no. <laughs> no way. Will we do multi-sites? Maybe. Or we're going to move? No. That's a little joke, the multi-site. Anyway. So I completed work at Central Baptist Theological Seminary in 2000. Oh, yeah, I had pictures. Sorry, i got to keep going here. Family Baptist Church started in 1996. Heather's in that polka dot dress looking great. And um, this is a snapshot of multi-ethnic church. Um, during the process of going to seminary, I was really overwhelmed with the fact that I, I just did not know how to effectively reach across ethnic and cultural boundaries in the midst of ethnic and cultural challenges. And so I enrolled at Westminster Theological Seminary and there was trained and have a doctorate in urban missions. So just giving you urban ministry kind of connections to help you understand that. Around 2005, Family Baptist sent us off to plant All Nations Baptist Church. So I worked with my dad for nine years as a youth pastor and assistant pastor and then the church combined to send us off, and that's another gift of God, when he provided the resources through leasing the facility to a charter school to start All Nations Baptist Church near the University of Minnesota, and that church is still going on today. In the midst of all that, I'm finishing up doctorate work, I'm teaching at different schools on church planting and urban ministry, and I remember teaching at Northland and coming back and telling Heather that something, you know, this is really awesome. Teaching is, is where it is at. I mean, you get to be with students for an entire day. They can't go anywhere. You're not struck by you've got 10 minutes left to preach, you know, any of that stuff. It's just like you can just go and go and you go eat lunch with them and have dinner, play basketball with them. It was awesome. I came back and said, Heather, I want to do this. She said, okay, well, let's start praying about it. And so we did. Within three weeks of praying and fasting, God led three different institutions to contact me, and their comment was just like this. Not sure why, but God has impressed upon our hearts to give you a call to see if you would be interested in coming and teaching at our institute. I almost want to drop the phone, but it had a cord back then. And, and so, um, uh, yeah, and you know, it went through the process. Well, it ended up that the Lord led us here to Greenville area, and I took a job at Bob Jones University. And here's a crisis of belief for you. I'm a church planter, and this is back in 2007. I can encourage you with this thought. Things are different now. But when it was this way, it was a crisis of belief. I had to make a decision to go for um, an offer to teach, which is for nine months out of the year, and I get that. But it was going to reduce our income by 50%. But I knew this is exactly what God wanted us to do. So we did, and we moved in with Heather's parents until our house sold. And you know, God has so faithfully provided for us throughout the years. And I want you to know I understand that crisis of belief. 2010, Palmetto Baptist Church was started. We have all sorts of different stories that are connected to it. And I do want to encourage you to take a look at the notes that I have for you online because in it, I emphasize some of the blessings of pastoring here at Palmetto Baptist Church. And some of those blessings include the provision of places to meet from the storefront on exit 35 to 620 Powdersville, Maine, to the fact that we've been in Powdersville High School, concrete primary school, to a now what, you, what is now a business district kind of building, to here when it was Velocity Sports Center, now D1, 
to purchasing McNeely Road, um, before that Sealy, and just, it is amazing. I've written a lot of it down. But what has been so exciting and the best thing about being here has been the people, working with each of you, and some that are not here. In fact, I have a list on there of those that started here with us and now are, first they came to Christ, were baptized and sent off into the mission field. We're actually supporting the Francias. Alex came to Christ here, grew in ministry and outreach to the juvenile detention center and now is going to India with his wife, Valerie. Chris and Mary Spitzer in Alaska, and, and you can go on and on, and I have lists of just amazing stories of what God has done. The pastors that God has brought here, each of them with their own story of the journey that God's brought them on, the deacons and the faithful servants of the Lord. It has been a joy. You know, I was thinking, as we heard in the prayer, two more babies. How about the time when we just recently dedicated the parents and babies, 16 of them, and I heard there are other, four others that didn't get in. And so now we have a total of six in the waiting, right? In other words, God's blessing, the, the video we saw at the very beginning about a parenting training is very needed in our church. And that's a sign of growth and health. And that is all God. And it has been amazing. And so I actually have, what, two, three pages of people that you can look at. This one's going to seem a little random to you, but I went over to uh, Kirk and Heidi Henserlings, and they said, you've got to watch this movie called Free Burma Rangers. I'm like, what? I've talked about it before, and if you don't know, let me say it to you. I think sometimes movies can move you. It's just the, the, the way it works at times. And I watched this, and I saw this story of a guy who was laser-focused on what God wanted him to do, regardless of the danger, regardless of anything, and he followed and is living a rich, full, blessed life difficult life. I said, man, that's what I want. As these things work, a timeline, in 2019, my brother Karsten died suddenly and unexpectedly. His heart just stopped. That's just the best way to tell you. I know when you hear suddenly and unexpectedly, it's code for what happened. We really don't know other than his heart stopped and he died. That was a shock to all of us. And I remember going to lead the funeral at Family Baptist Church. And Family Baptist Church has gone through lots of different difficulties over the years and has reduced in size from where it used to be around 225 to now where they're averaging about 50 people. And I remember sitting there and leading the funeral for my dad because he could not physically do it, emotionally do it. And seeing the church completely packed out with people from all over the world, all colors, um, all backgrounds, all piercings, all tattoos, all everything. Just, it was beautiful. People who are hungry to know about Jesus or struggling to understand if he's valuable, right? And, I, and as I preached and, and conducted, it was a very emotional, stirring time for me. But it was also one of those times where God made me pause and say, you know, if you connect the free Burma Rangers concept, then going and having this go on. I know that seems random and strange, but I'm just sharing my story that God used that to start to uh, stirring in my own heart, to start asking the question, am I doing what God wants me to do? Here, we all know this, so I don't need to say much about COVID-19. It's rocked all of our worlds. It has caused me to have more time to think and pray because my busy, busy schedule, and 
Josh and I, Pastor Josh and I have talked about this a lot of times. Sometimes you miss out on what God is doing because you're busy serving. I mean, you're just so busy doing stuff, and it's all good, and it's, it's honoring to God, but sometimes he's, he's there whispering to you, hey, Jason, listen. And I'm like, not right now. I'm, I'm, I'm serving you right now. I can't listen right now. i got to serve you, which is really messed up. But COVID-19 made me slow down and think about it. And then summer of 2020, George Floyd's death in riots. And this really hit close to home because it's, it's Minneapolis. Uh, watching some of the pictures of the destruction that took place and the aftermath of the destruction. So that caused me to pray and to say, God, do you want me to have a part in urban ministry? I wasn't thinking Minneapolis. I was thinking urban ministry just in general because this is what we're dealing with nationwide, a huge opportunity and a huge struggle. We took a trip in August to follow up with my parents because they went through a really difficult time. Talk about the death of that, little, that girl, that teenage girl in their yard. That actually was God's provision for them when the riots took place all across West Broadway a group of rioters came to the house, and I believe God providentially spared them because they had that memorial on their front yard. So they bypassed that house because of that. And, and that's because mom said, sure, if that ministers to that family, I'll do it. And God was saying, good answer, Pam, good answer. And um, my dad then, uh, I, I knew this was coming, in fall of 2020, he turned 70. And this is the best picture I could get from Family Baptist website thing. But uh, anyway, they celebrated his 70th birthday and his 26 plus years of ministry as the founding pastor of Family Baptist Church. Um, Dad then went on to announce that he is going to step away from being the senior pastor and wanted to encourage them to look for the next senior pastor. And he wasn't going to leave right away. He'd wait until they found the right guy. And so here's a picture of that building I was talking about. And, And through a series of events... I was contacted by the pulpit committee, the chairman of the pulpit committee, to say, hey, uh, Jason, would you ever consider candidating to step in where your dad had ministered, you know, build off of his shoulders at Family Baptist Church? What I need you to know, and I've mentioned to you in the past, is that um, this is not something that I've taken lightly um, through when, when all the riots took place in the, this past summer, I started to ask the pastors to pray with me about what God might be doing in my heart and stirring and moving in me. And in September, I asked the deacons to consider praying with me uh, because after dad retired, he whispered to me, he said, Jason, you know, I'm hoping that they contact you. I'm like, oh boy, here we go. So I actually told the deacons before they even contacted me because I said, I think this might be coming. And then it did, it came. And then we set up a time to go and candidate. And then, of course, Heather and me, right on the way to the airport, our test came back as positive for COVID-19. So that was delayed. And then we went J- January 31st to, um, to candidate. Well, in the process of hearing them say, we would love for you to candidate, all the way back in October, I had several of the pastors asking me questions about, is this even wise for you? Is this what you think God wants? There's so many great things going on here. I said, I agree. There are so many great things going on. And so what I always do is I do these pros and cons. Have you ever done that before? You're right about to make a decision, so you write out pros and cons. And I have, I have the notebook, and I have three pages of pros for why stay and minister with you. It's not hard. 
That's not the, and there are some cons, I have to admit, but there, that's the way with everything. And I put the pros and cons with Family Baptist as well. And I'm working through it, and I, you know, I was coming to this decision. You know what the truth is? It is good stewardship for me to stay put, and I'm going to honor God in my good stewardship. And I love how God works, because he is real and personal. And so in the midst of my brilliance, I get a phone call. And the, purpose, the background of the phone call is my dad had spoken at family, uh, Faith Baptist Bible College at their chapel, and um, the president there, Jim Tillotson, also a friend of mine, had him over at his house and, and was talking about, so you're retiring, you're trying to find the next guy. And, and my dad shared with him confidentially, I'm hoping it's Jason. Jim knows me. Jim's like, uh, that's never going to happen, right? And um, we're in our, I meet with this group of guys monthly um, for accountability. And um, I mentioned to the guys, will you pray with me? Because I'm thinking about maybe candidating. Jim said, hey, can you hang on after we're done with the call? I just want to talk with you just privately as a church. And he told me how dad shared with him that um, he thinks that you might be the guy. And I was like, that's no way going to happen. And so Jim went on to say, how much would that take? And they turn into this business mode. And, and, um, and my dad was like, you mean like financially, you know, for like a transition? Dad said, well, I think $30,000, you know, to move them, to take care of health insurance. To I, I have no idea where he got $30,000 from. Jim said, okay, thanks. The very next day, Jim Tillotson meets with a donor and is talking about things related to Faith Baptist Bible College and Seminary, at the end of that meeting, the donor turns to him and says, oh yeah, one more thing. Do you happen to know anyone that's going into urban ministry that might need some help? And, uh, and he's like, uh, yeah? He goes, how much are you thinking? He goes, I don't know, I was thinking somewhere in the neighborhood of $30,000. Okay. So it's one thing for people to talk it's another thing to actually show the money, right? And so I, I knew this had gone on. I was excited about it, but I didn't think it was actually going to happen. Lots of great things. So I'm writing my pros and cons, literally writing them. And I get this phone call, and the guy tells me, hey, you know, tell me more about your ministry. And um, I did, and he said, can I just wire the money into your account right now? I was like, uh, no, 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 not my account. Send it to Family Baptist. I haven't even candidated yet. I don't, like, that's great for whomever, whenever, and if God wills, whatever. And, and, and actually, the money is in the account at Family Baptist Church. That is a God thing. Um, so we went back to candidate, as I've already told you, and I'm just share one more because I'm already over time. But because um, there are so many different things. Um, we're, we're driving around, we're doing the touristy thing, going to the Mall of America. That's what you do if you're a tourist. If you live there, it's kind of boring. But you, you go there, and we're driving back. I, I turned to Heather, and I said, Heather, could you check really quick online to see how many Division II NCAA schools there are in the Minnesota area? Because I, I know Gophers, I know NDSU. We're thinking about Elijah. And I'm thinking, man, I would really love for him to be able to play near us. And uh, he, has, he has several offers in this area to play. And that didn't work for me because then I couldn't see him play, right? So it was just me just being me. So we found one. And uh, it's Concordia University in St. Paul. It's an evangelical school, Lutheran school. And uh, I had the coach, Coach Roth, contact their coach. And um, here, i got to show this wonderful picture. And within one weekend, one Zoom meeting and a bunch of film, the coach said, I've never done this before, but 
we have one slot open that became available in the, in the fall. We had no idea how we were going to fill it. You fit the profile perfectly. I would like to offer you a full ride on the spot right now. And uh, he's, or we are signing the official papers tonight. You know what that is? That's a God thing. Um, so Family Baptist voted last week, and their vote was 97% favorable extending a call. I'm glad it wasn't 100%. That's way too much pressure. <laughs> 97% already is enough of that. I responded with, as you can assume, you probably already have heard this, but I said yes. I w- I'd love to take that opportunity and respond. So I am letting you know that and asking you to continue to pray with me and with us as we make this transition. So I hope that doesn't come as a shock to any of you. If you're new to us, you're like, what service did I just show up to? I'm so sorry. That's not my intent. Uh, For the church, they've known since December, and we've been praying together, just to give you a little bit of context. But if you're new to us, I know this is the weird service to be at. Um, I do want you to understand the hope behind all of this. If God is on the move in the Ormiston family, he's on the move here. And he's going to show himself. He's going to reveal himself, his purposes and his ways. You need to trust him. We need to go back to the basics of being people of prayer, seeking what God would have us to do. Practically speaking, on our website, and if this, these are just screenshots from what I took this morning from my phone, the website, pbcpowdersville.org, if you go over to the leadership section, at the very top of there is a place where you can submit pastoral nominations. If you have someone in mind that you think would be a good fit, this will help the pulpit committee. The pulpit committee is already formed. They met on Tuesday, and they are in process, so things are on the move. Where am I in this whole process? I have a contract, and I'm happy to complete that contract at Bob Jones University, so I'm here all the way through commencement. And actually, the way it works with Family Baptist Church, the best time for transition for them would be July of this summer. And so the exact time of how long I'm here is still in, we're in discussions about that, but it's not going to be, it's not like you're going to hear me say this and you won't see me again. My desire is to have an ongoing partnership with this church. I love this church and I love you. If you're a guest, I'm sure I get to love you, (laughs) but I'm I'm talking to the members and and those that are here. and, um, And so my encouragement to you is don't view this as letting out the balloon the air out of the balloon, and what are we going to do? We are um, God's church, and we happen to be in a, in a context where we're blessed to have eight pastors. So we're in good standing. Uh, we need to depend upon God, and we need to know what he's doing. And I want to I encourage you to come back to this. If you're not distracted by everything I just said, the seven principles on experiencing God, I have them listed for you. There are different questions to ask yourself, and I want to ask you to come full circle, and I'm asking you this, what does God want you to do with the opportunities in front of you right now? Are you willing to take a step of faith? It, it, it leads to a crisis of belief that requires faith in action. I want to encourage you and call you to that. So let me pray with you, and then we'll wrap up together. God, thank you for an opportunity to share the story of what you're doing in our lives. And I know this is a shared story by all of us. 
And I pray that you would work in an amazing way in all of our hearts, that you would draw us to yourself. Lord, I pray for those here who have heard my story and are thinking about what you're doing in their lives in calling them to make a decision. I pray that you would give them courage to follow you. Lord, I pray that you would continue to provide and protect Palmetto Baptist Church. Please lead us to the next senior pastor, Lord. Help the pulpit committee to work through names and the pastors and deacons to interview and and funnel through that information and ultimately the church to vote. Lord, I pray for your timing and your will and your way. Thank you for watching over us. Lord, help us to be people of action, people of great faith and dependence. In Jesus' name, amen.